Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Energy. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do about uh, getting rid of fossil fuels? Uh, there's a big discussion, a big debate going on uh, nationally, internationally. But here in the province of Ontario, there might be a bit of a shift in policy, at least in mindset about what we may be doing in the future. A possibility of uh, exploring the possibility anyway of uh, nuclear power. I know that used to be one of the mainstays uh, here in Ontario. This uh, current government didn't seem that interested in it a while ago, but that may be changing. To talk about this, uh, please to welcome back to the program, Dr. Chris Kiefer. Uh, Dr. Kiefer is uh, president of Canadians for Nuclear Energy. Uh, doctor, thank you so much for the time. Good to have you back on the show today. Hey, Bill. It's great to be back. When we were talking about this in the past, and I'm going back even to the first term of the Ford government, uh, they were talking about decommissioning nuclear plants, about, no, it's not in our future. They, they uh, weren't quite sure where they were going to go on this. Has, has there been a change of mind here? Because the minister, the energy minister, uh, Todd Smith, seems to say, well, it's a possibility now. I'm not so sure that is something that he would have said a year and a half or so ago. You know, I think at the beginning of their term, they were pretty focused on dealing with the fiasco of the Green Energy Act. Yeah. Um, and that was this, you know, what will amount to a $60 billion expenditure on wind and solar, these lucrative contracts offered to private developers, um, which really drove up our rates. Um, what's changed is that, you know, our electricity systems planner, the IESO, um, has delivered bad news. And that is, I mean, it's good and bad. We're scheduled to have a lot of economic growth, a lot of new manufacturing jobs, um, welcoming a lot more immigrants, but that's all tied up with uh, big increases in the amount of energy we're going to need. Um, and that's not just to meet our climate change goals, which, you know, mean that we really should double or even triple the size of our grid. That's just kind of expected energy increases based and economic demand. You know, after the global economic crisis, we really saw energy demand level off. And we didn't really need to think seriously about, about growing our grid and making tough decisions about what to do next. Um, that's what's changed. Um, and this government is actually uh, proven to be quite pro-nuclear, as you mentioned recently, um, looking into life extending and even refurbishing the Pickering Nuclear Station uh, to lock in another 30, 40 years of air pollution-free and carbon-free energy, um, but also supporting um, this new small modular reactor being built at Darlington right now. Well, the other element to this, too, and I think you and I talked about this a couple of months ago, is, uh, you know, the government's proud, and as they should be, about uh, their commitment to electronic vehicles and uh, pretty tight timelines here as to where they want to do it. Uh, but the question a lot of folks, including yourself, are asking is, okay, where are we going to get the power from? Uh, there's going to be a huge reliance on this, and so we're all going to be plugging in in the not-too-distant future. And uh, the government kind of thought, oh, yeah, power. Uh, yeah, we'll get back to you on that. Well, this may be part of the solution, isn't it? It absolutely. It's, it's, I think, the most fundamental part of the solution. You know, as you mentioned, Ontario right now is 60% nuclear powered. I mean, and in certain areas, that's going to be much, much higher. Um, certainly where we are right now, um, we're close to the Pickering and Darlington nuclear stations. You know, your radio stations largely powered by nuclear. My microphone is powered by nuclear. Um, so it's proven itself to be affordable. It's the second cheapest source of electricity in this province after hydroelectricity and very reliable. As you mentioned, it's it's easy to do sort of the end consumer products. Uh, it's easy to build heat pumps, easy to build electric vehicles, easy to install, char install charging stations. Um, it's a little more tricky and requires a lot more planning and commitment um, to build new power generation. But, you know, without the latter, you don't get the former. Um, and I think that's what 
um, this government is is seeing and the need to make very serious decisions about what to do next. Um, you know, there's a, a number of, of options. Obviously, we've said we'll never burn coal again in this province. That's illegal. Um, we're trying to limit natural gas. Um, we already use very little because nuclear means that the vast majority of our needs are met by nuclear and hydro. Gas is just needed for those, you know, hot summer days when we need sort of peak demand. Um, but, you know, we're, we're running out of options if we limit those, and we should. Um, and so, you know, we're faced with, you know, basically wind, solar, um, and nuclear here in this province. And our experience with wind and solar has has not been a positive one. It's been very expensive. Um, and unfortunately, just the way our local geography is, um, they don't produce when we when we need the electricity. So, you know, as, as I have, I'm sure you've experienced those hot, humid summer days when you would just kill for a breeze to blow that sweat off your brow. That's when wind disappears. So you can install two, three, four times the amount of wind energy we have. You're still not going to have any being produced during our peak demand in those summer heat waves. We need things like nuclear, um, which which can meet that demand and meet the demand of all these new heat pumps, electric vehicles, et cetera. How strange is the system right now? I mean, I, I remember the bad old days, and I'm sure many of our listeners do, of brownouts and, and God forbid, blackouts, but they'd happened, and sadly, almost on a regular basis over summertime periods like that. It hasn't happened for a long, long time, but as you say, we're getting bigger, there's more people coming in here, and there's going to be more demand on power. It's a very real threat if we don't, um, you know, make serious decisions here and make commitments. Um, and I think that's what we're starting to see being hinted at. Um, but absolutely, I mean... You know, if if um, the Pickering extension is not sorry, the Pickering nuclear station is not extended and refurbished, um, that leaves a gaping hole in our grid. The equivalent of the output of all of uh, can the Canadian side of Niagara Falls just disappearing um, if they take that offline. So, you know, it was a very mature decision for this government to take, and really the right one um, for any number of issues. Again, whether it's clean air, climate, um, even the medical isotopes that are made at the Pickering nuclear station, that's absolutely the right decision. Um, that's an easier decision to make, frankly, than building new nuclear. And so what's been discussed so far is these small modular reactors um, certainly have a role to play. But what's new now is the government saying we need to look into large nuclear because, you know, if, if we're going to double what we have, um, it's it's the good thing to do. And we're actually very well suited to it because of these refurbishments or renovations of our existing nuclear infrastructure that can do technology. Um, we're really ready to go on building new can do. Our supply chains are ready. Our skilled workforce is there. Nuclear is challenging to do right. Um, we have all of the ingredients in place to do that. And we're really unique in the West in that manner. Talk about time sensitivity, though. Uh, even if you know Pickering gets a makeover, uh, which is not going to be inexpensive, you know the price tag and the numbers I've seen bandied around there are are, are huge, uh, and you can't just slap a new reactor up there and say, "Hey, okay, uh, we need this thing by the end of the month." I mean, uh, it's going to take time and an awful lot of money. Is is the government aware of that, and do they understand the timelines that that uh, you know there's a time sensitivity to this whole thing? And that's coming into 2020 clarity for sure. Just just to push back a little bit there, um, the Pickering refurbishment um, is really the cheapest way to you know keep those massive amounts of power generation on the grid other than building new natural gas. Um, we have to remember that we are currently subsidizing the subsidies for wind and solar, the wind and solar that was built in the Green Energy Act, to the tune of $3.1 billion every year. It's something like the 10th or 11th line item on the provincial budget. Um, so when we look at expense, um, you know, essentially the Pickering refurbishment would be four years of those subsidies that we're paying for power that really doesn't provide when we most need it. So just to push back a little bit there, um, you know, timelines, the best time to build nuclear was 10 years ago. The second best time is now. 
um, you know, we are going to end up probably building new gas plants because I don't think the Ontario public is going to put up with brownouts and blackouts, as you mentioned. Um, there are things that we need to do to speed up um, the deployment of nuclear. Um, and the first one is just getting it planned. But again, as I mentioned, we are uniquely well positioned. We've seen nuclear not do well in the US and Europe, and that's because they were building first of a kind designs with, you know, workforces and supply chains were atrophied. You know, the refurbishments at our nuclear stations are ahead of schedule and on budget. So that's a very promising signal that we can take that same can do technology um, and get it built. And historically, it's it's the only um, addition of clean energy um, that's that's been fast enough to meet the, the decarbonization goals that we've just heard of, um, which include a massive ramp up of nuclear. Well, and I agree. I think it's money well spent, uh, no matter what the price tag is. But the longer they wait, you know, it's like everything else. It's it's only going to cost more. And I I just want to make sure that they're going to be committed to this. They say there's going to be a public consultation, uh, and they'd like to hear from Ontarians. Uh, does that? Give you any idea about their time frame as to when they're, they're going to say, okay, here's our decision? Yeah, the consultation closes, um, I believe, mid-May. Um, you know, July and August are pretty quiet periods in, in the news cycle and in politics. So they may um, be trying to make an announcement um, before that in June. I hope they do. You know, the, the timing, again, is urgent. We don't have time to waste. Any time we waste, it means more gas on the system. You know, Ontario really has a choice, and it's between gas and nuclear. These are the serious energy sources that can underpin the reliability that Ontarians are going to need and that we're going to need as we grow this grid and become increasingly dependent on reliable electricity. If you electrify everything, that means your vehicle, that means your, the heating in your house, that means our hospitals. Um, we can't afford to have an energy system that goes down even for a few seconds, let alone those weeks in the summer when things like wind are not available. Exactly. Well, we'll be following this story to see where they're going to go on this. Uh, Doctor, as always, thank you for the time. Really appreciate the conversation today. My pleasure, Bill. Thank you. Take care. Dr. Chris Kiefer, president of uh, Canadians for Nuclear Energy, and we'll see where the Ontario government's going on this. And uh, good news, it's going to be in the next couple of months that we finally get some sort of a decision on this. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.